0: Uh, and so forth. And that just shows a lot of ignorance about really how little the president and even the Congress has to do with with especially global markets and the ability to affect that.
1: Welcome back to Life M M5. I'm Brianna Peck, joined here by... Mark Hardy. And...
2: Colleen Crow.
1: To talk about the rising gas prices recently. And um, why don't we just introduce each other first and do you want to go first? Sure. I'm... Uh government econ teacher at Rockland High School.
0: I, uh, I've i been teaching here for 28 years. I mainly teach advanced placement microeconomics. I have one psychology class as well.
1: Awesome. Okay, well, first question is, so why did the gas prices rise so dramatically in just recently?
0: Well, there's actually, there's a number of factors. There's both some short-term factors that a lot of people are focusing on, but it's really the longer-term supply and demand that helps to explain most of it. So what a lot of it goes back to is when COVID hit two years ago, there was a massive global drop in demand for oil, in demand for gas and oil, right? Because uh, airline flights stopped. People stopped having to commute to work. Everyone was working from home. uh, People stopped purchasing as much. Anyway, this this caused a huge drop in demand for oil. So the price of oil just plummeted. And it caused basically drillers throughout the world – oil companies, things like that, those that produce gas and oil, basically it was no longer worthwhile for them. So they stopped exploring. They shut down existing wells. They really, really curtailed production. So kind of the bigger picture um, long-term is that now that COVID really is, is more under control and more and more societies are opening up, people are flying internationally again. Businesses are asking people to come in in person to work. So more and more people are driving and commuting. There's been a huge increase in the demand for gas and oil, but the industry had gone offline so much that really the supply can't keep up with it. And so you've, you've got a large increase. Yeah.
2: It's not like they can just automatically go, oh, let's just crank out 100 barrels a day. They have to ramp up that production. So they have to hire people. They have to do more of that uh, looking for oil, places to drill, et cetera. So it's not like right. an automatic... Like, oh, let's just snap our fingers and flip a switch and we're back to the normal oil production.
0: Yeah, those take significant costs. And, and there's that, you know, like there's that old saying, once bitten and twice shy, that they had gotten so burned by the huge plummet in gas and oil prices that they really have been hesitant to ramp up production until they're really confident that we're kind of back to normal. So that's sort of the big picture. But then, as, as Mr. Crow knows, um, there's short-term factors as well that are really spiking oil prices higher right now. And the main one would have to do with kind of geopolitics um, internationally and the and the war in Ukraine. Um, do you want me to talk about that or you want to well, mention well, How
1: it? much of a factor is the war in Ukraine? Because I know like a lot of students blame the rising gas prices on Ukraine. I don't know if that's true.
0: Yeah, well, it actually, it, it does certainly play a role. Um, the reason I started by mentioning more the sort of the big picture of the major COVID fluctuations on supply and demand is that people tend to overlook those things. Um, However, Russia is a major world oil exporter. In fact, they're the number one oil producer in the world, Um, particularly in places like Europe, for example, that that import massive amounts of both oil and natural gas from Russia. The war with Ukraine is having pretty significant effects. Um, To the extent that we're um, embargoing or, or choosing not to purchase Russian oil. That's, that's causing prices to move further.
2: Yeah. And additionally, uh, it's not like, uh, you can suddenly transform your request and say, Oh, Hey, United States, can you give us some oil or Venezuela? Can you give us some oil? So it's again, that, that idea of you just don't flip a switch and say, Oh, I'll just go to Safeway instead of save Mart mm-hmm. to get the thing, the product you have to, um, it takes a long time to ramp up that production. So to say, no, I'm gonna not going to take oil from Russia, and then, well, where are you going to get it? So you raise those prices because you don't have that supply, mm-hmm. that cut in supply.
0: Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of things, prices of things like oil, have to do with the actual physical supply and demand, but also a lot of it has to do with people's expectations in the market. So, for example, when when war breaks out with Russia, a major oil producer, when Russia's involved in a war, and there's all this talk about boycotting Russian exports and so forth, that just causes a lot of speculation in the market as well, where people expecting oil prices to spike, they file more demand, more contracts wanting to buy now, and that drives up price. So a lot of times supply and demand works sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you expect prices of something to go up, you'll want to buy it now before they go up and that itself drives prices up. So there are small factors as well. It's interesting. I find it interesting and I'm sure Mrs. Crow finds this interesting too, how a lot of people, when economic things happen, like spiking gas prices, they'll shake their fist at the current administration <laughs> and they'll say, Biden, that darn Biden uh, and so forth. And that just shows a lot of ignorance about really how little the president and even the Congress has to do with with especially global markets and the ability to affect that. You could make an argument that a few of Biden's policies have had minor effects on the price of gas. Things like, for example, choosing not to go forward with certain pipelines um, pumping gas. but But... People on the far right will really highlight those things, and, and they'll even do things like put stickers on gas pumps, you know, a picture of President Biden saying, I did this, uh, and so forth. And and really, the vast majority of what's causing this is is far beyond the president's control. I don't know if you heard, but today, uh, President Biden made a major announcement. Do you know what that
2: was? He was going to release 100 uh, million barrels or something think, like that. Yeah. I don't know if my numbers are right, because I only right. saw the brief headline, but releasing more barrels of oil, basically putting more supply in the market, which then would hopefully bring the price
0: down. Yeah, that's from our strategic petroleum reserve, which is basically for emergency situations like this. You could debate whether or not this is an emergency, um, but that should, and I know maybe you were probably going to ask about this a little bit later, but we should start to see gas prices come down a little bit, at least for a number of reasons, um, but that should have somewhat of a positive effect.
1: So when would we see like like how soon would those would that gas be implemented into the system? Does that make sense? Yeah, like how long would it does that take?
0: I, I know it takes just a little bit of time, but not as long as you might think. and and honestly, because again, prices and supply and demand shifts are largely based on anticipation, expectation, I would expect we'll see some lowering of gas prices in, in the rather near future, but it's not, it it will not be to the extent where gas prices will go right back to where they were because there's, there's global realities of supply and demand, including the ongoing war, you know, with Russia and Ukraine that, that the strategic petroleum reserve doesn't fix. And even though it sounds like lots and lots of barrels, it really is. I'd have to do a little more research to see how small, but it's actually a fairly small amount of the overall supply that we, that we tend to consume.
2: Right. And there's also other factors too, like California gas, Mm -hmm. we have higher gas tax, you know, amounts. So that drives the price up, but you know, there's a a strike going on at Chevron. Mm -hmm. So that affects production. I mean, there's all these little nuances to just pinpoint. One thing is really hard to say, Oh, well now gas prices will go down. And then people are like, well, they didn't go down enough, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we're also, in California, moving into our summer blend. So um, the, the gas mix is a little bit different, and it's a little more costly.
0: Right. So California yeah, basically has stricter environmental regulations on our gas, which I think most of us would agree is a good thing. Californians tend to complain that, oh, man, our gas is, is so expensive. But part of it is because, particularly with the summer blend, it, it, it has to have more purification, basically. And that makes it more costly to supply, and therefore more costly at the pump, too.
1: Yeah, because, like, I know in Texas right now, like, um, it's only, like, $4 per gallon. Mm-hmm. Now, in, like, here it's, like, 6 So right. why is it, is that the reason why it's more expensive, specifically in California?
0: Yeah, it's a couple, a couple factors. I mean, Mrs. Crow basically pointed out we do have higher gas taxes. California tends to be a fairly, um, you know, as you know, progressive state, or we could say fairly democratic state, where the government's wanting to fund more programming, things like that. And, and that takes revenue. And one way they've chosen to raise revenue is by more higher gas taxes in this state. You can think of the demand side of things though, as well too. Uh, California is a rather commuter based society, right? We, we have a lot of suburbs and things like that and so forth. And we also have a lot of industry here as well. Um, Now you could make some of those same arguments for Texas, but, but there's a lot of demand for fuel in California also. So that causes prices to be higher as well.
1: And then would is this like um because of how expensive gas prices are do you think there'll be an increase in like electric car sales?
2: I think that's definitely a possibility. Um you know, where people are looking at alternative ways to commute. I th- you know, old over the last few years we've seen a real spike in um truck and SUV purchases, but as we see the car industry or the auto industry start to embrace more hybrids or cars, like even trucks that are hybrid or electric. um, I think there people will start looking at that um, as a way to save money. It really um, depends on um, what people are using their vehicles for. You know, if they're using them for commute, then yes, you probably, if you're commuting to the Bay Area from this area, which there's quite a few people who do, that's going to be a route to go to avoid some of these gas prices. But at the same time, you have to think about electric prices, right? If you're charging that electric car, what is, what is the utility company charging for the price of electricity? And does that really offset the increased price that it costs to buy those cars? So there's a lot of factors that influence that mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yeah, you're certainly touching on though, one of the upsides of, of higher fuel prices, you know. People tend to complain, but like a lot of things in life and in economics, a lot of times there's short-term pain that leads to long-term gain. And the more that fossil fuels actually become expensive, sometimes I, I sort of cheer that because it does encourage more and more people to switch to alternatives, right? Even things like, for example, you know, with, with oil and natural gas becoming more expensive, people think of, of other ways to generate power. Even things like solar and wind, we tend to think of electric cars and so forth, but, but those are somewhat affected by by companies need to generate power and saying, boy maybe the fossil fuels are not the best way to go anymore so long term greening I think is actually helped by higher fuel prices um, and uh, and that's sort of the upside of this maybe
1: yeah and then I know this is kind of a silly question but when is there gonna when are we going to run out of oil because like like I don't know if that's like a concern at all right now
0: right it's it's really not well, it's not an immediate concern, but it's actually—it's interesting you mentioned it as a silly question because it's a question that academics ask a lot. Um, there's, there's a debate in theory that goes on called peak oil, basically. And that is when will we reach our maximum ability to produce oil globally? And when will that taper off? And then ultimately, when do we really need to completely wean ourselves off of fossil fuels? Now, that being said, I don't necessarily have a good answer to that because I see it debated um, from time to time. And even, I think, even people that might say they're concerned about it say that it's it's probably decades out. But you could say all the more reason to, to you know, continue to convert to alternatives.
2: And I, I think there's another aspect of that, too, is although, you know, it's hard to get oil, there's areas where there's probably a fairly decent reserve that we could maybe get to at some point, uh, do we want to, you know, Mm -hmm. like they'll ask in national wilderness or, um, the pipeline, the fracking, all of those kinds of things that, you know, do we want to take those routes? Um, but if, as people develop new technologies, maybe we won't need to, you know, maybe somebody will develop something with seaweed or, those kinds of things that are being investigated as alternative ways to power vehicles or machinery.
0: Right. Yeah. Excellent point. Cause there, we, we know that there are significant oil reserves in places like, for example, the, the polar ice regions and things like that, and particularly Alaska. But yeah, the question is, do we want to, you know, cause the environmental sacrifice to actually extract those, those fuels. So yeah, my hope is, um, and it's interesting because Mrs. Crow and I come from somewhat different political perspectives. But I think we both would say that a continued transition to alternatives and continued research into other, greener, cleaner ways to produce to produce fuel obviously is is in all of our best interests long term.
2: <laughs> totally
1: agree. <laughs> all right. Well, do you either of you guys have anything else to add about gas prices or policies right now?
2: Well, it would be nice to see um better mass transit again it's not an easy Mm -hmm. fix but better mass transit in our own area because i think that's one of the reasons we love our cars is we want to be able to get to where we want to get to quickly and in places like europe where they have pretty decent mass transit you don't necessarily need a car and it's kind of nice to be able to just jump on the the mass transit whatever it's a train or a bus and get to where you need to go Mm -hmm. um but at the same token you know Uh, I only live a mile and a half away, and I might walk to school maybe one or two days a week (laughs) instead of I should be walking maybe all five. So, you know, getting out of our cars is sometimes difficult for for Californians.
0: Right. The other thing I would point out is just it's a great example of supply and demand overall that people, when they see higher gas prices, they tend to complain about the higher gas price, but they don't necessarily realize there's a lot of inflation in our economy in general, and much of that is being caused by higher fuel prices. Because when gas becomes more expensive, when energy becomes more expensive, that makes your food more expensive. It makes your clothing more expensive. It makes flowers, toys, almost anything we can think of more expensive, right? Because everything, the production of it involves energy. The shipping of it involves energy. So those higher production costs are reflected in in higher sticker prices for other things too. So there's a lot of reasons why we really want to try to, you know, bring down energy prices uh, long-term because it just really tends to affect the prices of other things too.
1: Interesting, I didn't know that. All right, well, thank you guys so much for joining me. All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Live from M5 is a production of Rockland High School's journalism program in Rockland, California. To listen to more episodes of our podcast, search for Live from M5 on your favorite podcast app. For more information about our journalism program, visit rocklandmedia.org. Thanks.